0: Praise Lord, for Thy great plan That we place may be
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord for more than seven decades and these life studies represent His contribution to the ever-expanding understanding of the revelation of the Bible. The purpose of these life studies is to present the truths contained in the scriptures and to minister the genuine life supply, to solve the common and hard problems found in the Bible and to open up every book of the Bible through interpretation. We're very happy to bring you selected portions from his speaking today. If you'd like to learn more about the life studies, please visit our website at lifestudy.com. Simply lifestudy.com. Now, here's today's program. It's very interesting to pay attention to how each of the four Gospels begin. Matthew, a Gospel that focuses on the kingdom, begins with a long genealogy of Christ, demonstrating that he is the bona fide heir of David the king. Luke, on the other hand, also shows us a genealogy, but not that of a king. Rather, it's the genealogy of a proper and upright man. The Gospel of John begins in a much different way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John's is the gospel that reveals Christ's divinity. But what about the gospel of Mark? Mark has no genealogy whatsoever, because Mark is the gospel revealing not just the humanity of Jesus, but that in his humanity, Jesus Christ took the position of a slave and became to us a slave savior. Francis Paul has joined us as we begin this life study of Mark, a new life study. Good to have you, Francis. And uh, you and I were talking a moment ago before we started recording. This is a different kind of gospel in some ways, isn't it, than the other three? Yes, it really stands alone in one aspect. It seems that uh, as you talk to people about this book or that or what might be their so-called favorite, very few people probably mention the gospel of Mark. We hear a lot of talk about the gospel of Matthew and We'll hear witnessly mention the fact that in Matthew there's these great orations, even of the Lord Jesus, the Sermon on the Mountain. The Gospel of John has all these rich expressions: "I am the way, the truth, and the life," etc., etc. Not much of that kind of thing in this Gospel, is it?
2: No, there's not much of that kind. But there's things in here you won't find in the other Gospels.
1: Yeah, I think that's the benefit of the program we're going to have today: is to somewhat to position the Gospel of Mark in its proper way, so that we. Understand the view that we're being given in the Gospel of Mark, a different view, as we tried to point out in the opening here. Whereas Matthew gives us a kingly view, and John gives us the divine view, really shows us as Christ as God who became flesh to dwell among us. But in this Gospel, in Mark, a very lowly kind of person, but yet one that displays much beauty and much excellence in his virtues.
2: It's really two ends of one long spectrum, where you have a king beginning the Gospels and a slave following.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, we've got our first program, and is usually the case when Witness Lee begins a new life study coming to a new book of the Bible. We get a kind of an overview to begin with. I've just selected a verse here from Mark chapter 10 that I think helps underscore this matter of the gospel of Mark being the gospel portraying Christ as the slave savior. Mm -hmm. In chapter 10, verse 45, it says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I went back and reread the whole first chapter this afternoon preparing again for the program and it struck me that right from the beginning of this gospel we see Christ serving we see him healing Peter's mother we see him uh, healing a lame person and one with leprosy so we're given his status early on aren't we that this is really the one who came to come under us and to serve us and to lift us up that
2: certainly is the story of one who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. All right, well, here's Witness Lee with our first portion.
0: John's record is one of the Lord Jesus in Judea, around Jerusalem. But Mark's record is one of the Lord Jesus in Galilee. If you are going to have a good history of the Lord Jesus' life, you have to learn how to fix these two books together. John and Mark, because our deed did move into two regions, in Galilee and Judea. And uh, at that time, Galilee was a province, and Judea was another province. Judea was a highly respected province where Jerusalem was. Galilee was a province very much looked down, despised, in between You have Samaria, that is a kind of mixture. So the Lord Jesus mostly lived and walked and worked in these three sections, Galilee, Judea, and Samaria. Of course, he didn't do much in Samaria. He only passed through that region. His move was mostly in a longer period of time in Galilee, then a shorter time in Judea. The record of Mark is not on the Lord's move in Judea, but uh, in Galilee. Here in Mark, what do you have? You have a slave. (laughs) A slave. The God Savior is in uh, John. And here, in Mark, you have a slave savior. Then how about in Matthew? Well, in Matthew, it is also quite high. You have a king savior. Then how about in Luke? Well, you have a man savior. So you have one savior with four aspects. The aspect of God, the aspect of king, the aspect of man, and the aspect of a slave. And now we are on this safe.
1: Francis, I think many people wonder at why the Bible gives us these four accounts of the history of Jesus on the earth. Why do we have four Gospels? Well, we just got a very helpful pointer, didn't we, in understanding the answer to that question. And really, it takes these four gospels, doesn't it, to give us a full and complete view of this marvelous Savior who has these four totally different but equally important aspects.
2: I agree with that fully, and I certainly appreciate the fact that we do have these four gospels. Without these four gospels, we wouldn't have a well-rounded picture of who Jesus really was when he came.
1: Let's talk about each of these for a moment, even though our primary focus is going to be the Gospel of Mark. But as we pointed out earlier, the first of the four, Matthew, we have this genealogy, the long genealogy, and it begins right away demonstrating that Christ is descendant, the direct descendant of David the king. Why is this significant?
2: This is significant because the kingdom is, in God's view, is what Matthew is emphasizing, because there needs to be a king for a kingdom. And he's presented here as the king. And now we will experience him as we go through Matthew as the king. But we need to see him in these other aspects
1: as well. All right. Uh, Following Matthew, of course, is the book we're on. Mark, let's hold that one for a moment. Uh, How about the Gospel of Luke? Luke also has a genealogy early on. But it's a a different genealogy. It shows us the other side of the family tree, so to speak, and it doesn't present us with the direct descendant of a king. It just presents us as the descendant of a proper upright humanity, a proper man.
2: That's the marvel with Luke, that we are seeing here a man, a typical man, a man who is a genuine man and yet something much more.
1: And then probably most people's favorite gospel, the Gospel of John. This majestic beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it uh, tells us that this one who was and is God was incarnated to become flesh and to put on humanity, to join our place. So we really have a view of another kind of Savior in the Gospel of John, don't we?
2: Yes, we surely do. Of course, I didn't say much about Luke, but that Gospel gives us an upright man, a man perfect in every sense. And uh, John brings us fully to know this man as God, God becoming a man, a God-man. This one is presented to us in John, and as you said, that's a favorite of most Christians, the book of John. But with Luke, you do see an outstanding man, but it's just the uh, perfect man, still just a man. But in John, this man is God. God and man and one person. So this is marvelous how these four Gospels have so much to say about one person from these four different directions. As a king, and we'll see in Mark as a slave, and in Luke we see an upright man, and in John we see this man is God manifest in the flesh.
1: Uh, Francis, we come now to this Gospel of Mark, uh, the Gospel that reveals Jesus as this slave, the one who has uh, come Really, to serve all mankind, all of humanity, to solve every problem. And there's only one word, or at least one word, that you end up sort of spontaneously expressing when you view him in such a light. And that is wonderful. So uh, for that reason, we've decided to incorporate Isaiah 9-6 in the beginning of this portion. Witness Lee refers to it. For a child is born to us, Isaiah wrote. A son is given to us, and the government is upon his shoulder— And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He surely is the wonderful slave, Savior in the Gospel of Mark. And here's Witness Lee with our next portion.
0: The Lord Jesus is all-inclusive. He is wonderful. Even his name is called Wonderful, right? He is wonderful not only in his divinity, but also in his humanity. And where could you see the Lord Jesus' humanity? Well, you may say, look. Well, that's good. But in Luke, you see a standard man, a man so normal up to standard. But in a man of standard, you may see some human virtue, human beauty, Human excellence, surely, but that cannot compare what you can see in Mark. In Mark, you can see Christ's virtue in his humanity, more excellent, more beautiful in Mark. The beautiful, the excellent virtues of Christ's humanity is more than what you can see in Luke. Suppose today, president of U.S. could lower himself down willingly to be a janitor. How about this? What excellency you can see in his presidency cannot compare what you can see in his being a janitor. Eventually, most people would appreciate Him being a janitor, much more than him being a president. I sure like to see how a person, having been a president for two terms, could be a janitor here. (laughs) And I like to see how he's going to behave as a janitor. Then I will see him say, hi, beauty, beauty. And I will shake hands, kind of marvelous, marvelous human beauty, marvelous human virtue. Then I will see his vacuuming the carpet. My goodness, this is due to extra Now you know where Mark stands. Now you understand the uh, value of the book of Mark.
1: Francis, I, I always like uh, Witness Lee's examples. This one's particularly appropriate, I think. At the time he spoke this, I think it was 1983, I remember Ronald Reagan was the president then, uh, who had a kind of a, you know, a majesty about him. He carried himself with much dignity, mm-hmm. uh, but yet he was very human at the same time. And I know Witness Lee uh, spoke of him admiringly or affectionately from time to time. But his picture here, if you can imagine uh, someone like uh, Mr. Reagan finishing two terms and then willingly taking a a position just as a lowly janitor, it would display a kind of a beauty, wouldn't it, that would be uh, hard for a person of that position to achieve in any other way?
2: It's really strange Brother Lee would use such a comparison because I think it really would shock all of us if Ronald Reagan had come and applied to uh, take the janitor's job (laughs) in our meeting hall, for example. Yeah, right. I think this would be a marvel to all the people And surely they they would marvel at his work, what he did, much more than the the speeches that he made and the decisions that he made in the White House.
1: Yeah, there's an aspect there of the display of a kind of humanity. I think of past presidents, and I can't hardly imagine any of them being willing to lower themselves (laughs) to this point. They would all kind of view it, I'm sure, as a kind of a shameful thing. But in another way, putting themselves among the people that they had served in such a fashion would demonstrate something so marvelous and so attractive. And that's really what we have with this picture in Mark of the Lord Jesus, isn't it?
2: It is, and I have marveled as I read through this book again. I, you couldn't see this slave talking too much. There's no Sermon on the Mount here like there's in Matthew. right? And there's no seven parables and prophecies that you have in Matthew. But here, Mark gives us mainly a long, detailed story of his acts, what he did, the things that he did in seemingly such a lowly way. He always gives us a longer record here, in detail, with all the small points in order to portray, you see, to paint a very beautiful picture of the beautiful, pretty, excellent virtues of this human slave.
1: So he has embodied in this book the marvelous virtues of God and expressed them in his humanity. And in a sense, it's a kind of a picture of our destination, isn't it, Francis, where in some sense we as uh, his many brothers now are all headed ourselves, mm-hmm. incorporating the divine nature into the human where it's expressed in a marvelous, humble and comfortable fashion. I remember listening to him on this topic. Uh, Witness Lee said that uh, he, if it were invited to the White House to visit the president, would go, but he would be uncomfortable the whole time he was there. <laughs> yeah, right. But if the president came and became uh, this janitor, he'd be happy to spend a week with him. Yes. Uh, and I think that's the picture of the slave savior that we are presented with in this book of Mark.
2: Yes, this is a marvelous book, and it gives us such a Different, humiliating—I would say humiliating—in another sense, yeah. a picture of this wonderful person who is God Himself, manifest in the flesh, but
1: here as a slave serving. Right. All right. Let's go back to Witness Lee Francis for our final segment today.
0: You mark—you couldn't hear this slave talking too much. No, there's no sermon on the mount, no seven parables. Uh, no prophecies, long prophecies. No, no, no. This mark gives us mainly a long, detailed story of his acts. He always gives us a longer record, detailed, with all the small points, in order to portray, you see, to uh, paint a very beautiful picture of the beautiful, pretty, excellent virtue of these human slave. Mark gives us a record of the Lord Jesus' slavery in a very detailed and vivid way. What we can see in this vivid record is the Lord's beauty in his humanity. Oh, the virtues of the Lord's humanity described, portrayed in this book. It's marvelous. And one more thing that is, I told already, his record is always detailed and uh, not much of the Lord speaking because this is right. A slave, if a slave talks a lot, you will fire him suppose the president comes here to be janitor from morning uh, to night. He would always give us sermons. We would say, you better go back to White House. <laughs> For you to be janitor here, use your hand and move your feet just to go and work. So Mark doesn't tell us much of the Lord teaching speaking but he surely gives us the details of the Lord's action. Keep these points in mind.
1: Francis, you mentioned, and we just heard Witness Lee say, that uh, this gospel does not give us many examples of the Lord's oratory. The impressive thing is not his speaking. What's impressive in this gospel are his deeds and his actions. You know, there are miracles here, Uh, there are things that demonstrate that surely he had that power. But even the way in which he carries out the miracles in this book, it's always just a simple touch or a a simple word. We don't have him calling fire down from heaven as uh, Elijah might have done. Uh, Everything is done with a demonstration of uh, this lowly, humble humanity that really comes through, isn't it?
2: It really is, and it surely shows what Mark 10, verse 45, I believe it is. It says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That verse says a lot. So many people think that the Lord Jesus came to be an example for us to serve or to serve us or to be served. They think uh, Christ mainly came for us to serve him. And many people think of coming to the Lord Jesus as coming to serve him right but he didn't come to be served he came to serve and mark really brings this out that he came to labor and to suffer and to be a service to serve humanity
1: yeah as we have the picture presented by these four gospels in john as we've mentioned here as the divine being the god of creation he joins himself he comes equal to us in a sense But in Mark, and and I think that equality is also present in the Gospel of Luke. He just comes as a normal man, as Witness Lee says, a standard man. But in Mark, he's not just equal to us. He actually comes lower than Uh us, as you just pointed out, to be the one serving, not the one to be served. That's right. Uh, And from that lower position, then he lifts us up to his place at the right hand of God the Father. And uh, I think as this gospel unfolds, this uh, marvelous demonstration of the humanity of the slave savior will become a very vivid and clear picture for all of our listeners. I'm looking forward to this, and I'm glad you were here today to start us off, Francis, and hope you can come back a number of times.
2: I'm very happy to be here, and I think this is a marvelous introduction to this wonderful book that many people pay too little attention to to realize that he came in such a lowly way and became a slave savior. Don't just think of him as a slave doing uh, uncomely work. But the work that he was doing was very calmly. And as a slave, he was serving all of mankind, giving himself to serve, not to be served.
1: Well, that's our opening program for this Life Study of Mark. We'll give you, of course, as we uh, like to do, particularly when we begin a new book, our toll-free number, so you can contact us to get the printed Life Study messages of the Gospel of Mark. That number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. You can uh, send email to us also. Our email address is simply radio at lsm.org. If you visit our website, which is lsm.org, Uh, you'll find that these life study messages can be read online as well. So if you don't have the ability to purchase the printed volume, at least you can read these messages online. Again, that's www.lsm.org. But uh, in either fashion, we just encourage you to get this material, have it available for yourself uh, so that you can immerse yourself in the Gospel of Mark and uh, the marvelous riches that await us as we get into this new life study. And uh, for Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. That's all the time we have today. Thank you very much for listening. Dear Lord, we give ourselves to
0: Thee. Receive us into Thy wise hands.
1: You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For 21 years, Witness Lee conducted a comprehensive life study unveiling how the Bible presents Christ coming to be life to man. These audio programs are based on those messages, but to get the full riches of the Life Study, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. From there, you can read over 1,800 Life Study messages in their entirety or download more audio programs like this one, all free of charge. Again, the website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening today.
2: Why did God give the commandments if He knew we couldn't keep
0: them?
1: For the law was given through Moses. Grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 17 The law makes demands on man according to what God is. Grace supplies man with what God is to meet what God demands. The law at most was only a testimony of what God is, but reality is the realization of what God is. No man can partake of God through the law, but grace enables man to enjoy God. Reality is God realized by man, and grace is God enjoyed by man. Scripture, John 1.17, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.